It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. It's Wednesday, and welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. Thanks for joining us once again today. We'll be here for the next hour to talk Giants football as well as NFL draft prospects. I'm Paul Tatino. He is Super Bowl champion punter Jeff Fiegels. Our phone number is 973-667-1960. 973-667-1960. You can also find us on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat. And you can find an archive of this show and our entire podcast network brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcasts. Now, folks, again, the number's 973-667-1960. I stress that to you because we've got a few minutes before we actually get to our guests today as we finish up our Collegiate Prospects preview shows. Marshall Levinson of the Pokes Report uh, will talk about Oklahoma State's prospects. That's coming up at 12.15. And then at 12.30, we will talk to former NFL quarterback, used to play for the Cardinal, Stanford radio analyst Todd Husak. Uh, That's coming up at 12.30. So we'll try to get a couple of calls in before we get to our guests and then after we get done with our guests. And, Jeff, I can't believe it, but this is the last of our prospect preview shows. We've been Mm -hmm. at this now for well over a month and tried to do everything we could to bring, I don't know, probably almost every, is it fair to say, first, second, third, and maybe even discussions about fourth-round picks that could be available in the draft. Yeah, I know. We've covered quite a few of them. I don't know how many we're going to get right, um, but, you know, there isn't too many that we have to – I mean, the Giants only have so many picks, so that that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, it's not like we got to pick 47 of these guys, but um, it is interesting. And as as usual, Paul, you know how things go uh, as we get closer and closer to that day. That things, uh, you know, you get rumors, you know, flying around. You get some things, you get medicals, you get all that kind of news that starts to to make its way to the headlines as soon as we get closer to that draft day. So it is exciting. I tell you one thing, I remember. Um, as a player, when I was coming out of college, I didn't think I was going to get drafted. I was told I wouldn't. And by the way, they had, I think, 14 rounds back then. Um, so I couldn't even get drafted in the 14th round. That's how pathetic that was. But the fact is, I still <laughs> I proved they were wrong. Um, but as a player, I remember you just get really excited about this time because, you know, there's so much your, your life is about to change. Uh, whether you're a, a street free agent because now you got a job and, and an opportunity to go play at the next level, and and some of these guys now you know you know how much money they make um, in those first couple rounds, and uh, so it is a it is a game changer, a life changer, and it's exciting for these guys to to get picked and go to a a place where they're going to set up shop for a few years. Now, yesterday, Dave Gettleman and Kevin Abrams, the assistant general manager, did address the media to talk about. Uh, recapping and putting a bow on free agency. Uh, Tomorrow, Dave Gettleman is going to have conversation with the media again, talking to uh, the director of college scouting, Chris Pettit. He'll be with him, and they will talk to the media more about previewing the draft. Of course, they won't say very much. They can't, but uh, that conversation is tomorrow. Based off of what happened yesterday, and I don't think there were really any headlines coming out of yesterday's presser, Was there anything there at all that you wanted to mention before we get to the phone calls at 973-667-1960? 
No, the only thing that I found interesting was that, that uh, Kevin Abrams had mentioned about the fact that they kind of knew that they were going to be aggressive in free agency. Um, I, for one, did not believe that that was going to happen. Um, we obviously saw that it did. So hearing that he said that, I mean, we obviously the proof was in the pudding, but that was something I, I found uh, that they had it planned. They had it planned out. And the other thing is, is that, um, you know, as far as the medicals go, um, I think everybody has to understand that, you know, most guys that get to the NFL, I mean, come on, Paul, you know, we cover football enough at the college level. These guys all have injuries. There's nobody coming in here with nothing. And I know that it, it, you have to prove to, to these guys at the, the medicals that they're okay. And, and Ronnie Barnes and Dr. Rodeo, as you mentioned, those are the guys that have to sign off on these things. So that's important. So those kinds of things. And, and the other one is that next year's cap. That seems to be the big question amongst everybody is how much money, but it sure does sound to me like the Giants are foreseeing a big bump in the cap next year and that they're going to have to – it's going to be interesting how they move forward. Those are the takeaways that I took from my point. I don't know about you, Paul. Well, Jeff, I'm puzzled by your response on that because – and I'm not trying to be funny – we know that the cap is expected to go up a little bit next year, but I don't think the Giants expect it to go up a lot because Kevin Abrams himself, who is the cap guru for the organization, yeah, yeah. said he believes that next year is going to be a scrunch. So, so uh, you know, I think they're they're anticipating. You want my opinion gonna, on that? There's going to be some difficult decisions to make. I think that's by design. I, I don't think that I, I this. I come on, this the the new okay. Yeah, that's fine. We'll see. We'll see who's right. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that the fact is that the we got the, the league has big, big pockets coming in with this TV money. It's going to go up. It's going to go up. And I think that you know you look at some of the other. I, I, I just think it's, it's going to be more than they're leading on. That's just all I got. Jeff, right. remember though, those TV deals don't kick in till 23. Correct. Oh, see, that's uh, okay. Then I'm then I'm misinformed. That's okay. Then that okay. changes my that changes my whole. Thing. I thought to, it was to, next year. To paraphrase what Abrams said, he said that 2022 could be a little bit of a challenge depending upon where okay. the cap goes. I misunderstood him, and he was more optimistic the following year. That's my bad. I apologize for that. Okay. Well, then then I then he's probably correct then. I'm so, wrong. but so that also tells you about the urgency of this team. Getting, getting to the to, next yeah. level now. Yeah. Yep. They Which is done why they did a, a lot of what they did. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. They yeah. were very aggressive in free agency. They spent big money on a, on several big players. Galladay, Jackson, uh, you know, could, you could also consider uh, Williams in there, which uh, Dave oh, Gettleman sure. did when he said, you know, we spent money on guys. Williams was an expensive re-sign. This team – really went after guys that they believe they had to have that will get them to the next level. And and that's for now. That's not that's not yeah. for something down the road. They believe they can be a playoff team this year. It's obvious by the moves that they've made, and I happen to agree with them. Yeah, and something that they, this team hasn't done a lot of is, is putting you know kicking the can down the road as we talked about it before. So maybe that was a little bit of what he was talking about. So. We'll see. A um, couple other very small notes, nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty is our phone number. Uh, Dave Gettleman expressed a lot of confidence uh, that Booker 
the uh, the running back that the Giants signed in free agency is a three-down running back. Now, you'll remember, I've been talking now for weeks about how I think he was the biggest dark horse of all the Giants' free agent signings. Certainly because, under the radar, right? Well, I mean. he's definitely under the radar, but he's going to have a significant impact on this team. He replaces Deion Lewis, okay, who for me never fulfilled his role as the third down back. I agree. He did, he did not do a whole lot coming out of the backfield and, and getting first downs by catching the ball, and he did not do a whole lot in helping pass protection for Daniel Jones. He was a major disappointment if, if you know, you look at the tape. Booker, Booker, when Gettleman says, we believe he's a three-down back, the most important part of that sentence <laughs> is what Booker does on third down yep. because he will be the guy, I believe, Obviously, we've heard that Wayne Gallman, according to national reports, was visiting with the 49ers yesterday. I don't know if he signed a deal. I don't believe that he did. But regardless, Booker is the guy who, if Saquon Barkley is going to get some relief, if they bring him in slowly and they're going to take him off the field sometimes, Booker's the guy who's going to be in there. And if he's not in there for a full series or for a full possession, he might wind up being the guy who's going to be in there on third down. He is a more accomplished pass protector than Barkley is at picking up the blitz, and he's also got very soft hands. Booker is going to be a very important part of this third down package. I've been saying this for weeks. When Gettleman said what he said yesterday, I pretty much think he confirmed my suspicions. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, if, if they're both, what if they're both in on third down? You know, they're going to have to pick their poison on them because Booker does catch the ball re- very well and run extremely well. So I think that there's a good option there offensively. And, and Jason Garrett and his staff will be able to draw up some of those plays. And the other thing, too, is that we've, we've seen reports and seen things on, at least I have on Twitter, and seeing how things are going with Saquon. But, you know, you don't know the plan going forward, like how much you want to really use him going into that first game or second game. So are they going to ease him into the lineup? We'll see. But I think they have a comparable backup, that's for sure. Yeah, so Devontae Booker, again, I I think is a very, very important part of this class. I guess the other item, to some degree, that I was a little bit interested in, um, Odenabo, Ayafedi Odenabo, who comes over from the Minnesota Vikings. And again, I, I don't think a lot of people paid much attention to that deal, except that his name is so weird that it kind of drew attention to him. Um, the thing about what Gettleman said yesterday when he was asked, well, is he going to play outside? You know, where are you going to put him as an edge guy? And he said, we will play him outside and sometimes inside because he has a pass rush to him from the inside as well. So Odenabo seems to be, and we know what he did with the Vikings. They moved him all over the place. It's not like he hasn't done that before. But it seems like the Giants plan on using him more as a versatility jack-of-all-trades pass rusher instead of what some people thought maybe he would be assigned to be the outside edge rusher on this team. I'm getting the impression he's going to be more of a multiple looks guy, don't you? Yeah, good. Good. I mean, it, you look at where you can put Leonard Williams then. I mean, you can put him inside, you can put him outside, you can vice versa. You'll move those guys around. Um, you know, I, I think that he's a good player. Is he gonna? Is he going to command as much attention as Leonard Williams? No. But I feel like, um, you know, one thing about these players, Paul, and you know covering the league as long as you have, you know, sometimes the, just a change of scenery and something, the guys want to, they have something to prove by going to another team. 
this could be a perfect scenario that I'm talking about here with him. I, I feel like he's a guy that really wants to get something, you know, this year, pro- a prove-it deal kind of deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, come out here and just, hey, I want to I show everybody I can play, and then I, I'm coming to a team where they're going to move me around, which is going to be fun, rather than stick me in one spot. So I like it. I like it a lot, and I think he's a solid player. Well, he proved with the Vikings when he was asked to be a Batman, he couldn't mm-hmm. necessarily do it. But the question really for the Giants is whether he can be a Robin. And that's what it yeah. comes out to be because I Leonard think that's Williams why he's is here. That, that's why he's here. Can he be the Robin to Leonard Williams' Batman? And, and that was my point. I feel like he's okay with that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they, they sat him down and said, listen, you know, are you okay with this role? And I think he said, fine, just let me show you that if you want to make me a Robin, and obviously this may not have been what they were talking about, but we're making it up. Hey, if you want to be a Robin, can you do it? Oh, yeah, I'll do it. If you want to make me that guy, I'll show you that I can be a Robin, and maybe you might think I'm a Batman at the end of the year. Hopefully. That'd be nice. If the Giants could somehow get Carlos Boogie Basham at number 42. You love that name, and you love the guy. I love the player. No, yeah. no, I love the player. Look, yeah. the second round is the sweet spot for the, for the pass rushers in this draft. We've talked about this now. I, how many times do I have to say this over the last three months? There, the pass rushers here are more boom or bust than anything else. Yeah, they are. Yeah. To take one at 11, you got to be sure the guy is the guy. I can't say that about any of these players. The only one who, who could sniff that kind of confidence out of me is Phillips, but because of his – Past history with the concussions and the injuries and the retirement and everything else. He's the only one of the pass rushers who I would draft at 11, and I can't draft him at 11 because the medical prevents me from doing so. He's he's the one that you read about that most of the analysts are talking about, a guy that could come in and play right away. There's no doubt. And the other guys are all, like you said, they're kind of hit and miss. They're maybe a little developmental, but are are you wanting to take a chance on a guy in your first pick? Uh, to develop rather than go for a surefire, you know, maybe you know, a guy that's a starter for you right Let away. me tell you something, Jeff. This is one of the reasons why I love Basham so much, okay, because he's got the experience, all right? He's played a lot of football, okay? Right, but on top of that, senior, right? uh, yes, now on top of that, he plays and, and he also plays defensive tackle. He's got the frame. He's got the ability. Now, he hasn't been a great run stopper in his career. He's going to have to get better at that. I need a little more power and strength out of him. But he should mature as he gets to the NFL. What I love the fact is he's got the motor. He certainly did very well in his his postseason uh, testing and senior bowl stuff. He can get after the quarterback, but he also has the ability to play inside. In a way, and I don't want to... I, I, I almost hesitate to do this because people are going to hear the name and they're going to think he's the same player. What I'm suggesting is he can be used much like Matthias Kiwanuka was when Kiwanuka was a defensive lineman before they decided to screw around with him and make him a linebacker. Mm-hmm. When Kiwi was a D lineman, he was part of that you know, NASCAR package. You throw him on the defensive end spot, you throw him at the defensive tackle spot, he reminds me, in terms of his role, I could see him being the defensive line version of Kiwanuka, and I just think that would be marvelous for the Giants. Now, he's not going to be a 15-sack guy in this league. He won't, which is why he's not a first-round value for me. 
He's a second-round value for me because of what I believe he brings to the table and the fact that, hey, you know what? He might wind up being an eight- or nine-sack guy. That wouldn't be out of the question. Second-round value, he'd be marvelous. I'm, I'm, I'm just praying that he's there at 42. Well, I will tell you this. If the, in my opinion, if the Giants do not draft a, an edge rusher in the first round, they will be looking for one in the second. That's, I, that's what I think. All right, speaking of the draft, Jeff, we are very fortunate. We've got uh, one of our specialty guests on the phone to talk about the draft prospects, Marshall Levinson from PokesReport.com. He uh, covers the Oklahoma State Cowboys. He joins us right now on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Uh, Marshall, we hope you're well, and thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, guys. Well, I guess what we've got to do before we go anywhere else is just go to the potential first-round pick that's on this team and that's offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins. Uh, may not be at the top or even in the middle of the first round, but as you start going down a little bit beyond the teens, I suspect some people are going to be talking about him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's uh, he's kind of a guy that uh, coming into this season, um, a lot of people thought very highly of him, and then he kind of kind of dipped off of some of the, the draft, uh, mock drafts here and there, And but now he's, he's taking a surge back into that, that first round, so... I expect he'll go somewhere in the 20s, and uh, whoever gets them will be getting a uh, a mauler of a, of a right tackle. Marshall, who? So you talked, and this kind of happens uh, this time of the year, every year in this draft process, is that players kind of move up and down the board. What are some of the things that you're hearing, or maybe even just seeing that that has uh, that Tevin has been able to move up the board, like you just mentioned? Uh, well, I think his uh, his pro day where he um, he put up 36. Uh, reps on the bench press that was big for him I mean obviously um, being a tackle you, you've got to be strong and his tape is very very good but that that uh, that strength they can sit there and watch him put up 36 reps was, was big for him and and he moved well um, 499 which obviously in terms of your athletes is not going to be very good but for for a guy that's 320 pounds um, that, that's moving pretty good so He's very athletic, um, and even in his individual drills, he uh, he went through them really well. So I think that's been the biggest thing for him. And also, teams have kind of learned that he has that that nasty edge to him. That was kind of a question mark for some teams. And um, the offensive line coach here and some of his trainers have kind of helped him realize what he's going to need to do in the NFL. And he's and he's grasped that. And I think NFL teams have seen that. And um, you've sub- subsequently seen him move up in some of these mock drafts. And I think you'll see him. Uh, go somewhere in that mid to late first round, like he said. Marshall, primarily he's been a right tackle, but I also believe that left tackle uh, is a possibility for him. And look, I know he, he took a couple of, of, of snaps and played some games at guard. That flexibility to be able to show that he could move around to a few spots is also a very valuable trait for NFL scouts. And I, and I have to believe that is helping him too. Well, absolutely. And it was, Unfortunately, the reason he had to move was because of injuries to other linemen, um, uh, other starters in the past couple seasons. But he, uh, it definitely, in terms of his personal success, it it's going to help him because they see that he does have that versatility. I think his future probably is at right guard or right tackle. Um, but like you said, he a lot of people say that he could be a, an elite level guard, um, and he and he had good snaps over it at left tackle. So wherever anyone puts him. Um, his skill set will allow him to succeed at that spot. But I think if, um, at least just off the bat as a rookie, I think it'd be best at, for him at right tackle. But we'll kind of see where he progresses and how he develops once he gets inside of a, 
an NFL weight room and with, with coaches of, of that caliber. One more thing on him before I let uh, Jeff move on. That's fine. There was, there was in his collegiate career a bit of a back issue at one point. Did mm-hmm. that flare up at all on a regular basis or even a periodic basis that a medical staff would warn their GM about? I don't know about periodically. I mean, it came up towards the end of this last season. He missed the last few games. Um, and that was more of a – I think he could have rehabbed and come back from that, but it was more of a – it's at the end of the season and they were saying, hey, you have a future. Let's not, let's not go crazy here. You need to protect yourself. We want to protect you. So – I think moving forward, he's going to be perfectly fine, but it was more of a precautionary thing of why he missed some games. Um, but it was it was interesting, even when he did have some of those issues, he, he still didn't allow sacks. I mean, he, his film wasn't as good, but it was still uh, better than about 90% of your tackles you're going to see. So it was, I guess that's even a better thing. You know, when, he, when he's hurt, that he's still going to be performing at a, at a pretty high level. So I, as far as the future is concerned, I don't think he'll have any issues, and uh, I hope he doesn't. But... Um, yeah, he did have some of those some of those injuries, but I don't think it'll be very very uh, important moving forward. So I want to move on to is it Thailand? Is that did I uh, Thailand? How do you pronounce his name? I'm, I'm horrible Ty- at name. Thailand Wallace. <laughs> we'll call him Mr. Wallace there. That I tell you what, Marshall, just wait till we get to your linebackers. That's where yeah, Jeff's really going to have a problem. This is going to soon <laughs> oh, turn yeah. into a comedy. <laughs> um, but but Wallace, I tell you what, just reading looking at some of his statistics, this. Uh, I'm looking over here, over 100 yards per game for the past three seasons and 43 contested catches, the most in the FBS over the last three years. Tells me a guy is a very aggressive, uh, going to go after the football, uh, could be you know in a deep, deep draft this year with wide receivers. Somebody's going to get a good value maybe out of, uh, out of Wallace, maybe in that third. To, he might even move down to the fourth round with how many good receivers there are in this draft. Talk a little bit about him and what you like about his game. I, I know this, like you said, this receiver, uh, this receiver draft class is very, very deep. But I'm pretty confident you will not find a receiver with better hands or hand strength. Um, his ball skills are are ridiculous. He can he can go anywhere on the field. It doesn't matter. He's one of those guys that, even though he's only that that five eleven um, height, maybe six foot, he his his catch radius is ten twelve feet. I mean, you put it anywhere in, in his general area and he's going to go catch it he jumps over people around people and he runs through people um the 2019 season against iowa state i think he dropped his shoulder into three different iowa state defenders and took off to the end zone for like 50 yards he's very very physical um his work ethic is through the roof and he's a really good athlete the catches he makes here are you there's you will not see any level of those catches on the uh as often um, as he does with any other receiver in this draft, so I'm uh, I'm hoping that he kind of is in that that upper half of the of the draft as far as with those receivers because he definitely deserves it. A lot of toughness and physicality. I saw a guy too on on some of the clips. He's not afraid to help block for the running game either. And look, as a wide receiver coach, is going to love this guy the second he gets in the room. Yeah, and that's a big that's a big thing that uh, Casey Dunn, our our offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach, he's he's stressed. He's been here for a little over a decade. That's the big thing for him is physicality in the in the run blocking game. And Tylen Wallace is one of those guys that whatever you ask him to do, he's going to go do it. And he fully bought into the the blocking game, and and he's really good at it. It's not just like he tries to do it; he excels at it. So, yeah, that that'll be another thing. When I mean, if you're talking about a team like the Giants, if you've got Saquon Barkley in the back. And you're you're trying to run out to the edge. That's the kind of guy that you want out there um, blocking for him because it doesn't matter if he's 
cracking down onto a linebacker or going up against a, a corner, he's he's going to give it his all, and normally he's going to he's going to come out on top with it. Grandpa. Oh, I, I thought you were going to go to the. I no, thought you were going to go to the running back. I oh, figured no, that's an easier name for you. <laughs> Rodarius Williams, huh? Did I get that one right? Rodarius I thought, I thought you were going to go to Hubbard myself, but okay, no. go ahead. Oh, so you give me a lot of credit. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk about Rodarius. Go ahead. I mean, this, um, this, uh, I mean, the, the 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 running back class in this in this draft is not very deep, as you've seen. Um, tell me a little bit about him and. Uh, what do you like? What do you like best about him, as far as um, you know, for blocking, um, catching the football out of the backfield, and his running style, if you will? Well, with Chuba, his running style, he's he's got a lot of speed to him. Um, mm-hmm. I know his his forty time may not have uh, been as good as some people thought it was going to be, but when you look at that that game tape, it shows that he's probably he plays faster than he might run in a in in shorts and a t shirt, which is uh, a good thing. Um, and he, he's another guy that you can bring him, you can, uh, run him on the, on the edge or you can, you can put him up the middle and he's physical and the one that he's very athletic, he's very shifty. He can, he can spin out of things. He can shake you out of your boots. I mean, he's, he's good. Obviously that 2019 season was sensational. This past season dealt with a couple of ankle, ankle issues. Um, didn't have the season he hopes to. Um, so his, his draft stock may have gone down a little bit, but I think whoever gets him will get someone um, that that works, um, that wants to be there. And like you said, they, they, they tried to, coming into this season, they wanted to get him involved in the passing game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because of those injuries and, the, and what happened with their offensive line and stuff, it, they didn't do it as much as they liked to. But I think you saw some flashes um, here and there of what he could do. Um and I mean, he's a, he's a track guy. So whenever he gets the ball in his hands, it's it's off to the races. Um, and not many people, especially in 2019, not many people could touch him. And when he's uh, when he's in the open field, it's it's ball game. Um, but it'll be definitely interesting to see where he goes. Um, but I think that he, uh, I know he's gotten a lot of kind of a, a some question marks next to his name just from the past year. But I think he'll be ready to kind of turn it turn it in uh, turn it around. And, and show what he can do once he once he's in the league. Marshall, we got a couple of minutes left with you, so I want to go to defense, and, and I'm going to help out Jeff here by going to the linebacker. Amen, Abar Bamiga. How about oh, please. that? please. How many times you practiced that, Paul? Well, you know, I had to make sure I got it. Was I close? Was I close? Hey, Abar Bamiga, you're really close. All right, there you go. <laughs> uh, a guy who, for me, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where he's going to wind up lining up when he gets to the mm-hmm. NFL because – you know, at six one, uh, what barely two twenty five, two thirty. I'm not. I, I just don't know. I, I don't think he's fast enough and athletic enough to be outside. I'm not sure enough. He's got the frame to hold up on the inside. I don't know. You tell me. I think. He, I think uh, if he if he's going to make a roster, I think it'll probably be on the inside just because of his knowledge there. Um, like I think he weighed in at pro day at like two thirty one. Um, so he, he's got the, he's got the weight for it. Um, his 40 was a, a low four six, so I mean it'll be interesting to see kind of how he uh, how he progresses and how he kind of meshes into an NFL defense. I think someone, I think the defense that he goes to will definitely have to kind of work around it with them um, if they're going to play. I do also think he could be pretty valuable in, in some special team situations. Um, I mean he's got a lot of tackles in his career, so he can he can definitely go go down and, and wrap up. Um, 
like you said, I'm not sure kind of where he fits. I think he'll probably be on the inside position. Um, but he's another guy that, just like all these guys we're talking about, he's a multi-year starter. He has a lot of reps. So the, the knowledge and the experience is there. Mm-hmm. It'll just be about kind of translating that, that physical that physical factor and learning how to uh, translate it to the NFL. Well, you mentioned specials, and I think that's important because late third day, a lot of times that's what the rooms are talking about. Is there somebody who can come in and give us some really good special teams play and make Jeff Fiegels happy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that yeah, on I mean, Sean Hubbard. I think he might be able to, to play some special teams, right? Yeah, he's he's another guy, especially with his speed. Um, and he's and he's not light anyway. I mean, he's he's a pretty he's a pretty built guy. So I mean, he's not going to really get tossed around as he's running down the field. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see how he goes. And that might be because. I mean, he might go to a team that, that has a few running backs, and if he wants to find his way onto the field, it, it would probably be through special teams first. I mean, they can put him back there even at, at, at the return man position, and I think he would succeed pretty well just because of his speed and, and what he can do with his feet um, when, when the ball's in his hands in the open field. So it would definitely be interesting to see um, some of these guys on special teams that maybe trying to trying to crack a, uh, some opportunities at their, at their real position, but... Yeah, he's a. Uh, I mean, Amon Ogbomiga had a punt block back in 2018, so he's definitely definitely been on special teams before, and he's shown some production. So I'm sure that that'll be a a discussion uh, certainly when it comes to him. Great stuff. That's Marshall Levinson of PokesReport.com talking about Oklahoma State's NFL draft prospects. Marshall, again, stay well. We thank you for your time. Your information's been terrific, and uh, enjoy the season coming up in the fall. Thank you, Marshall. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. You too. Nice job, Paul, with those names. I know you probably had an enunciation graph in front of you. Well, here's what happened, okay? I, I cheated. Three days ago, I realized I had to try to book somebody for Oklahoma State. And, of course, you always look at your notes, and you're looking for the names, and you're, you're saying, okay, who, who are we going to talk to? And I said, okay, um, yeah, this guy does deserve mention. Yeah. Okay, he does. I mean, he. I think. I think he's got a legit chance to crack a fifty-three. I mean, I would love to have said, "No, nah, his name is tough. Uh, he's not going to make a fifty-three. Don't bother with him." I couldn't do that. I yeah. couldn't do that. I, I. I think he's got a legit chance to make it. So I decided that since I was doing the show with you, I would be the one to take the dive and <laughs> and and throw his name out there. Well, thank you, thank you. I highly appreciate that. But both everyone knows that you, Lance and John, all know that I appreciate when people can can pronounce names better than I can. So I will always uh, tip my hat to you for that. What are you going to do when Odenabo gets like eight sacks this year? I'm going to call him by his first name the whole time. So, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, people will know who he is. Yeah. There you go. All right. In just about a minute, we're efforting to get Todd Husak on the line, the former Stanford quarterback who also played in the NFL. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Cardinal prospects. And, in fact, I'm getting the cue now from uh, John that Todd is there. Todd, uh, Paul Dottino and Jeff Fiegel's with you. We hope you are well, and we thank you for taking some time with us today. Hi, Todd. My pleasure, guys. Anytime. How's it going? Good, thank you. Jeff, I'll let you start this one off. Uh, well, obviously, you know, you, I, let me go to my little list here. I just lost my list. Go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. I just dropped my – Well, well, I, I think I think that Walter Little probably yeah, intrigues Giants fans more than Paulson Adebo is, even if, if he may wind up going before Little does in the draft. 
there have been a lot of people who have talked about Little as potentially being somebody the Giants might look to to enhance their offensive line depth. Uh, Not at 11 necessarily, but if he should be there in the second round at 42. So I guess, Todd, the first thing I would want to ask you is, why would a team like the Giants look at a Walker Little, and why would the Giants maybe pass on a guy like Little? Great question. Well, he came to Stanford a few years back, rated the number one offensive lineman in the country coming out of high school. He came in and started day one at left tackle uh, and really had a, a good first two seasons at that spot. Gave up very few pressures on the quarterback. Um, came in ready to go. He's a huge man at 6'7", 6'8", kind of 325, and he carries it well. He ran a 5'3", 40 at the Stanford Pro Day, and he, and he is pretty athletic. Um I think the big questions with him are durability. He did get injured a couple times at Stanford, missed some time. Um, and then we didn't see him this past season where he was coming off an injury. So is he rusty? You know, he opted out of his senior year. So um, we haven't seen him play now in quite some time, and that is coming off an injury. So those would be kind of the concerns, but a smart player, a kid who was able to come into the college level and get things done right away, and being that five-star, high-profile kid, I think he could handle the pressure of being in in that type of spotlight. He's not a big personality. He's a pretty quiet kid, uh, likes to take care of business. I- I'd love to see more of a mean streak out of him, you know, finish those blocks, because he's, he's a mountain of a man, as I said. Um, there probably will be some rust with his being out of football now for a year, but I imagine he's been training hard um, and, and getting ready for that next level. Now he's got a family that's that's got an extensive football background. His dad at one time was was a Giants draft pick. Yeah, good good genes. I met his dad, and again, you can see where it comes from. He's a he's a big man too, uh, and played high school football in Texas. So, uh, lots of experience playing at that high level. Um, and, and I'm I'm curious to see where he'll go. I kind of see him like an Andrus Pete, another Stanford kid who was a first round pick mm-hmm. with the Saints a few years back. They moved him inside because he was so athletic, but I, I think he's that type of build. Big legs. Uh, I wouldn't call him heavy-legged, but a big lower body. Um, and I think if he can get that upper body strength ready to handle some of those NFL pass rushers, he could be you know, one of those guys who's a 10-year starter. So, you know, the Giants are, have the 42nd pick in this draft, and we're talking always about improving the offensive line. Of course, um, the first question here is, can uh, which side of the offense, I mean, can he play the uh, the right guard or right tackle at all? I mean, I see he's got a couple of them in 2018. That's one question. Um, the second question to me is, and I think that's probably the reason why a lot of these people have him going in the second round rather than the first round is because he's opted out of 2020, only had one game in 2019. Um, you know, Todd, do you think that he's a guy that will put it all together, um, get in a camp somewhere and make somebody really, really happy just because of the way he plays? And can he come back from all, you know, he hasn't played a lot of football. That's, I think that's the concern. And coming in, I, I think he'd be fine at right tackle, a uh, really smart kid who's going to work hard and do all the things that the coaches want. You know, he's, he's doesn't have the big ego. He's, he'll be ready to come in and play whatever position they ask him to. I think right tackle would probably even be better for him. He's not facing that big pass rusher coming off the left side mm-hmm. um, and, and give his court, you know, stay in his quarterback's eyesight. Uh, and I think that would be – it's the transition, right, from not playing football in so long 
to coming in and being a, a day one starter who you'd like to see from a, a first or second round pick. I mean, there was talk of him two years ago. If he were to come out, he would have been a top 10 NFL pick. So he's that sure. type of talent, and he graded that high. The injuries and the, and the layoff from football have probably been the big, big question marks and the reasons why he slipped. But from a talent perspective, I think he has it all there. And now can he, can he be physically ready? Can he stay healthy? Are probably the, the biggest question marks from the, from the two-year layoff. Now, it seems to me Paulson Adebo, and am I saying Adebo, is that correct? Is that the way That's it goes? That's yeah. Okay. It yeah. seems to me that he has a chance, although, again, quarterback, uh, Davis Mills being a QB, those guys tend to get drafted a little higher. No insult intended, Todd. I know you played quarterback. <laughs> but, but, but I was Adebo... not drafted higher. I was actually, <laughs> man, how's, how's this trivia? Two picks behind Tom Brady in the 2000 NFL draft. <laughs> there you go. So he, well... he and I are very similar, yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, it, 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 it's it's nice to know you're in good company, right? You you keep good exactly. neighbors. Most successful draft class in NFL history. That that sixth round in 2000, more Super Bowl wins than any other round in NFL history. Uh, there you go. But I think Adebo may have a chance, may have a chance to be the first Stanford guy draft in, in this selection process. Three-year starter. I see he opted out. But what I saw when I looked at some of his clips, I wrote down length, physical, uh, and let's see what else I wrote. He closes pretty well on the ball. Uh, what do you like about him? And when you look at this group of corners, there's the top guys, but then there's this kind of big pond of second-level corners, and I think he's probably right in there. I agree with you. This is another guy who was a top 15 kind of talent two years ago. His freshman year, he led the country in pass breakups, 10 interceptions. I mean, he, he was – an all-American type player early in his career. Uh, the defense around him kind of fell apart from a talent perspective. They didn't have a pass rush, which meant he had to cover a lot longer, and he gave up some big plays on double moves. But I think his instincts, his speed, his length, he's a great tackler. He had, um, they had him rushing off the edge at times. He had three tackles for loss. Uh, he, he's a pretty complete corner um, and was able to lock down some of the best receivers in the Pac-12. Now, it, I, I, I agree with you again. His layoff, there's some questions there, but he stayed fairly injury-free. His, um, his secondary coach at Stanford has coached more first-rounders uh, than any coach in the country. He was at Texas and Arizona for a long time and coached all those great DBs. So he's well-coached, uh, good instincts, incredible ball skills. I mean, I think he could play receiver. He's a little bit like Champ Bailey in that mm. regard because he made plays on balls in the air. Uh, that we didn't think he could get there, and he, he got there easily and makes and made some incredible diving catches as well. So uh, he, he's a pretty complete corner. I think if he can get a little more discipline, not gamble as much, um, and, and get on a team with a good pass rush where he can be more aggressive where the QB has to get rid of the ball, I think he has a chance to be an outstanding pro. Okay, Todd, you ready for the butchering here? All right, I'm going to go. Is it, is it, is it Simi uh, Fehoko? Is that all right? Is that Simi Fehoko. Simi Fehoko. Look at that, Paul. Did you hear that? You were close, yeah. Okay. I'm impressed. All right. All right. Well, talk about impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed with the size of this dude. I mean, six foot four, about 225 uh, pounds. Um, talk a little bit about this guy. Obviously, a very deep draft class for wide receivers. Um, looking at some of his statistics from 18 to 20, seems to get better every single year. Um, as far as just his, you know, learning the game and talk to us a little bit because this guy's a big boy. Well, I think the most impressive thing from him was running the four four at the combine. 
like low four four speed at a, at a guy with that size. You know, we, Stanford put out JJ Arcega Whiteside, who was a second round pick to the Eagles, and he mm-hmm. hasn't necessarily translated, I think, because he really just outmuscled everybody in, in college and at the NFL level. You're going to get bigger, stronger corners or safeties. It's not as easy to do that. Where Fahoko has that breakaway speed, you know, there's a few plays in his college career where he caught something underneath, was able to make that first man miss and outrun everybody. And I think that he runs really sharp routes. He's good out of his cuts, good quickness, good hands. I think, again, his biggest knock against him is Stanford did not throw the ball a lot. This year, he had some big games where he caught a ton of passes. But early in his career, he wasn't used or targeted very often, so he's relatively inexperienced. So how quickly can he adapt and adjust to the NFL game uh, and be ready to contribute early? But I think the physical skills are all there for him to come in. You said there's a lot of great wide receivers, not good ones, great ones coming out this year. So if he slips, it's it's because of that, not necessarily his talent level. And I think you're going to see a team draft him in the second, third, fourth round and get a steal because he's a guy who can come in uh, right away. The, uh, one thing you're going to get is a little bit of a, a pat on uh, the, the program's back. These kids are going to be smart, hardworking. You don't have to worry about their work ethic or their ability to pick up playbook and coaching. They're going to come in and do everything that's asked. And I think Fajoko did that in his career and, and finally was able to spread his wings a little bit this past season, uh, connect with Davis Mills on some big games, and show what he could do physically, and then he, he crushed it at the combine. Huge vertical, um, very fast 40 in shuttle times. I think he's probably going to wind up being a third-day pick, though, Todd, because there are so many tremendous sparkling athletes at that position coming out this year that a guy like like Fajoko, uh would have been higher maybe in a different draft. Uh, I do wonder what your opinion is as how he will do against physical press corners and press coverage in the National Football League where, you know, he may not be able to get as easy a release as he did at Stanford. Now, that's a good point, but he is he is a big, strong kid, you know, 220 um, with that 4-4 speed. And so can he be an interior guy? That That might not be his spot, but if he can play the Z position where he's off the ball, same side as a tight end, and not get jammed at the line of scrimmage. He, he's quick. He has shown the ability to have that good release off the ball. They used him at times mm-hmm. throwing the fade route, which Stanford has uh, frustratingly made their signature play inside the 10. So that ability to separate and create some space uh, from the corner, he, he's pretty skilled at that. But, yeah, can he, can he deal with a, a 220-pound physical 30-year-old corner? Um, yeah, a lot of young wide receivers are going to struggle with that. But if sure. you get off the ball, use him in motion – um, get him in space, I think he's got the tools to be very productive. Jeff? Uh, well, one last one. I want to talk about the center position and Drew Dahlman. I mean, he's kind of going to be a, definitely be a third, maybe a third-day guy. But, um, you know, I liked, I liked his – I like how big he is, 6'3", 300 pounds, playing that center position. Obviously, I would imagine anybody coming from uh, Stanford and being a center and having to handle all the calls and things, probably a very bright young man. Tell us a little bit about Drew and, and what you like about his game. Well, his dad was Chris Dahlman, the NFL player. Uh, so he and it was his high school coach. So he's he's gotten coached up uh, over the years. He came in again early, started early, uh, a little bit unlike Walker Little, where he finishes blocks. He's a he's got a mean streak in him, um, and he came in early in his career and played at Stanford, probably undersized at two seventy, um, but was smart and physical and tough, and then grew into his body a little bit and became a really good offensive lineman. So I, I think his 
his quickness. He again another guy at Stanford's pro day who helped himself uh, with his quick shuttle times and his strength. Um, I think he's one of those guys that every year you get a guy late in the draft. Um, he's he also stayed healthy his entire career. One of the very few guys at Stanford who was able to stay healthy. It seems like their offensive line has just been decimated. Um, but he was kind of the rock there at, at the center position. Um, and is going to come in and outwork the competition and be smart and be ready to play. It's one of those guys, you get him late in the draft or maybe a free agent, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks around for years to come, learns the game. He's, he's going to be ready for it with his dad playing mm-hmm. um, all those years. And I, I think he'll be one of those kind of gems that a team finds and is happy at the very least, makes the practice squad and is able to come up and play uh, when injuries happen. Final guy from us uh, before we let you go again, Todd Husak, uh, former Stanford and NFL quarterback, joining us on the program. Uh, Davis Mills, I mentioned him earlier uh, when I was kind of throwing out uh, some quarterback conversation. And look, the Giants don't need one, so this isn't so much for the Giant fan out there who wants to know who they're going to draft. But I just got to mention him because... Todd, look at the guy's measurables. You know, I'm a I'm one of those guys who likes the pocket passer, the six three, six four guy, you know, who's gonna be able to, to throw it downfield. And I look at Davis and I say to myself, someone's gonna take him on the third day. They're gonna wait for him to develop and mature, soak things like up a sponge, uh, and maybe three years down the road he might challenge for a starting job somewhere. Am I nuts? Well, I think you're undervaluing him. Uh, I've seen his name. I think his you? name has – they've talked about him maybe as much as any other quarterback moving up the draft board. I've seen okay. reports where teams like him maybe day one. Really? Um, to come in. He, he ran a 4-6 at, the, comp, at uh, the Stanford Pro Day. So he's not just the pocket passer. He's an athlete. Uh, and he completed 51 of 54 passes that day at the Pro Day in the pouring rain. So he's – I think he's a top – an elite athlete, another five-star kid coming out of college or coming out of high school. Excuse me. And what what has hurt him? Two things. Number one, this has become a theme: a lack of experience. Right? Yeah. He came in. He only started one, well, a full season of six games um, this year. He started half of his junior season, so it's really just a lack of starts, a lack of of you know experience coming out of college. And he had two ACL injuries, one in high school and one at Stanford. So um, early in his career, but he stayed healthy um, when he was the starter, and he is really smart. I I got to know him pretty well. He actually interned for me a couple summers ago. He is a sharp, hardworking, smart kid, very confident. Um, And I think I I see him as like a Matt Ryan type guy, a guy who makes all the right throws, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, And I see a team drafting him – who maybe has a, a quarterback with one or two years left on their contract and, and wants a young guy to come in and learn and be ready to start early in his career. I think he's that type of kid and talent. If he can stay healthy, I think he has. And that this, this draft is pretty unique where there's a clear number one in Trevor Lawrence. I don't see a big difference between the third guy and like Mac Jones and Davis Mills. You put those guys together in a workout, I think Davis, if you didn't know who was who, I think Davis Mills is probably more impressive. Um, so I, I think there, there's going to be, uh, it's going to be fascinating three, four years down the road to see which of these quarterbacks panned out and which ones didn't. I think it has as much to do with what team drafts them as anything because they're all super talented, but can they find the right system? Can they stay healthy? Can they avoid um, 
you know, setbacks mentally. Uh, and I think Davis Mills is as prepared for that career as any of those guys. So let me make sure I got this straight, Todd. You're, you're telling me that besides the five first-round quarterbacks that we hear so much about all the time, it would not surprise you if Mills snuck into the bottom of the round and we had six quarterbacks taken in the first round. I saw a report that had him as the sixth best quarter or the sixth highest-rated quarterback in the draft. I mean, and he was maybe 13th, 14th <laughs> coming out this year mm-hmm. uh, after the after the football season. But he's had a great off-season. All the reports about him are raving. Um, and I think there's a chance if he's not late first round, I think he goes early second. Well, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get the Atlanta Falcons on the line. <laughs> they have the third pick in round two. And you mentioned Matt Ryan, and you mentioned that you'd like to see Mills maybe learn for a couple of years. What a great pick that would be for the Falcons. <laughs> and he's from the state of Georgia. Yeah, so that would, <laughs> oh, that would be a dream come true for that young wow. man. No question oh. about it. Great stuff. You heard it here first. Todd Husak, a former Stanford quarterback and played in the National Football League, now the radio analyst for the Cardinal. Thank you so much, Todd. Great to speak with you. We appreciate all your information. Please stay well. Thanks, Todd. My pleasure. Anytime, guys. Take care. Okay. Take care. Yeah, you mentioned Mac Jones. I, I, I was kind of like, you know, reading his statistics and just hearing what he was saying to Todd. I, it just sounded just like him, but um, I don't know. <laughs> that's that's – uh, there's not a lot of game experience there. Yeah. You know, that's that was always one of Parcells' quarterback rules. You know, you needed a guy who was at least a three-year starter. Uh, I know these days you don't get a lot of those, so maybe some people kind of poo-poo that rule a little bit. But, my goodness, he does not have a tremendous amount of starting experience, albeit that he's in a big-time program. Yeah. Well, I think that – when you are when, when you're talking about what Todd is saying, you know if he's going to go in the bottom of the first or the high second, you're putting a lot of credence that that guy's going to play for you very soon. Um, you know, well, I, maybe maybe two or three years down the road. You're not going to rush him in this year, that's for sure. Sure, no, exactly. Maybe yeah, not this year, but I think that I think something. Look, I mean, obviously we know what Stanford. These guys are smart, smart as heck to go there. So in yeah. the quarterback position, to be able to just pick up things right away and and read defenses, that's a that's a huge upside for any quarterback that can do that very quickly. They talk about Mac Jones the same way. Um, you know, this guy's got a really good a good NFL caliber arm. He can throw the football. And listen, we were talking to Todd. He's a, he's a, a former uh, quarterback, so he knows a little bit more about probably you and I do about the position. Oh so, my goodness! So I feel like you know he has got a high endorsement. Um, and you sometimes let's, it'll be interesting to keep an, just a little keep an eye on him. You know, you never know. We'll we'll see what happens and see how right the Todd was come here next week. All right, folks, remember, limited Giants season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits also include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. You can also uh, catch a chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giants suite partner limited full season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games call 888-NYG-1925 or visit giants.com slash suites for information and you can get a new york giants checking account from investors bank with a giants branded debit card security features and discounts at the giants online shop You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at investorsbank.com slash giants member FDIC. 
Jeff, we've got some time to go back to the phones at 973-667-1960. Our line is open if you'd like to get in for the final few minutes of the program. Uh, One thing, Jeff, now that we have finally wrapped up all of our college preview guests as we have spanned the entire country trying to find uh, (laughs) out more about these NCAA prospects, I think the one thing that that I have noticed, and I mentioned this last week on one of the programs, but I think it bears repeating – and that is what we have found is that there are more high-character guys that seem to be coming out now because I think what we're for, for finding is, number one, NFL teams value those guys more so now than in the past. And two, I think maybe the players are becoming more aware of it and these NCAA programs are becoming mm-hmm. more aware of it. And so those guys are popping up on the radar a lot more because they may be getting a little bit more of a push. Yeah, and as I mentioned uh, when we were talking about this last, you know, this is, has a trickle-down effect. It's, always, it's down into the high school levels now. You know, the high schools are, are, are you know, they're coaching these players, um, trying to help them become good good human beings, good, good quality kids. And then that, that carries over into the college level where those coaches are, you know, you, you know this, at the college level um, – those coaches are with those players more than any anything. I mean, at the, the pro level, yeah, they're around it, but the college, they're everywhere with those guys. So, you know, they're, they're constantly preaching to them about being good good people, um, doing the right things. They have classes all the time about it. So, And then all of a sudden you get to the next level, and all that work that those kids have put in over those years are paying off. And I think that teams just don't have the patience anymore. For guys that are just going to be, you know, just miserable. They're, they, you don't want those guys. They're just bad locker room guys. They're bad character. They don't. It's, they're, it's, they're time. They're time wasters. I don't want to waste my time with a guy like that. Well, I'd to rather, some there's degree, too many others. To some degree, Jeff, is it fair to say that those guys could be coach killers too? Well, absolutely, because you know how the coaching profession is. It's you know, it, it's it's show me what you got today. I mean, what have you done for me lately? That's what that is. So I don't want to be able to take a chance on some guy that's going to cost me my own job and my moving around the country with my family. I want good, good people. And more importantly, they got to be able to ball out. I want some good football players. And, you know, maybe I'll take a little bit of here or there, but, you know, I don't want anything that's going to be outrageously wrong with this this player. Um, And, you know, there are a lot of guys that that have done good for people, that that have taken on the projects and really have made them into good players and good people. It's just, you know, Paul, this is such a, there's people from, come from all walks of life. And, you know, unfortunately there are guys that just never have grown up in in good homes or good communities and things like that. So at the, at one point it's really kind of, it's a shame because it's really not their fault to a point, but you know, as they move forward, they have to understand we can't use that as an excuse anymore. You're going to have to get better and do the right things going forward, or you're never going to make it to the next level. All right, uh, let's go to Twitter for a second because uh, we get so tied up with a lot of our guests and our phone calls. A lot of times we don't get to hashtag sure. Giants chat. And a guy named Average Beast on Twitter says, I find it interesting that most Giants fans, including myself, want them to draft an off-ball linebacker with pass rushing skills or a wide receiver two at number 11. Where are all the positional value people at? Well, before you answer, Jeff, let me just say <laughs> I disagree I don't think that most Giants fans, maybe this particular guy does, average beast, but I don't think most Giants fans feel that way at all. Um, you know, I happen to be in the in the preference of based on who's left. Uh, I've said this now, for concrete for a week, 
Patrick Sertan would be my number one guy at, at 11. I do think there's a danger the Dallas Cowboys could take him at 10. If they do not, that's the guy that I'm looking for because I am confident that Pitts is going to be gone. I'm confident that Chase is going to be gone. And I'm pretty confident that Waddle's going to be gone. But if he's not and it comes down to Waddle and Sertan, I had this conversation with John Schmelk this morning. I've been kind of waffling on this. I you do, do think that. I we do think right that, do would, that well, I do think when push comes to shove, I probably would wind up taking Sertan. On a given moment, I say Waddle to myself, but I would probably go with Sertan. You have a week to figure it out, Paul. Well, I'm I've I've been in concrete for Sertan now for a week, and and when I said that, I said it under the premise that Waddle will be gone. All right. Well, how about this, Paul? I'm going to make so, it even tougher for you. Okay. Let's say in the first ten picks, and we'll get to that call in just a second. But here's a fun hypothetical for you, Paul. I'm going to put you in a tough spot. All right. Okay. Good. Let's say you get four <laughs> quarterbacks in the top ten. Right. You get both offensive linemen, you're up to six. You get Pitts, Chase, Waddle, right? You're mm-hmm. up to nine, and then you have Sertan, and that's ten. So Waddle and Sertan are both wiped out. Then where do you go? I probably try my damnedest to trade down a few spots. I'm with you, and I'm in the same situation if all my offensive guys are wiped out, right? If my tackles and wide receivers are all gone, that's what I would try to do. And I'm trying, putting myself in the same tough situation, and I haven't made my decision yet. Okay. But if you can't trade down, Paul, where do you go? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What if we can't? I probably have to go to Slater. No, Slater's gone. No, he's gone. Oh, he's gone already yeah. at that Slater, point. Slater is available. Slater, all the wide receivers but oh. Devontae Smith and Sertan and four quarterbacks. <sighs> J.C. Horn? Okay. That might be where I go, too, to be honest with you. That uh, J.C. Horn is my real fallback, I suppose. Would you He's consider my real fallback? Parsons? And by the way, I didn't have him graded as highly uh, as most people did early in this process, but I'm seeing a lot of people move him up on the board the last couple of weeks, saying that he is probably just a millimeter behind uh, Sertan and, of course, Farley before the back. How, so Horn is my fallback. How close is Vera Tucker? And Parsons for you in that situation. They are not. They're not there at eleven for me. I'd have okay. to. I'd have to move back three or four or five spots if I was going to do that. Because I want. I want. I want the extra pick. I want that extra second round pick. That's why I want to move back. But he just said you can't. So that's right. Well, yeah. that's all. That's why I, I. 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 Right now, with what's left, if I can't move back, so you're I, going defense. You're I'm going probably. Defense. I'm probably taking Horn. See, what most people don't understand, Jeff, is that in the National Football League today, first of all, Adore Jackson has had, he's had some injury trouble. Let's not forget that. He's had some injury trouble. So, you know, taking a corner at 11 is not a bad thing because if he's a stud, you play, you play Jackson in the slot. You could play Sertan, or if it's Horn, outside. Bradbury outside, and the fourth corner is Darnay Holmes. And with that secondary, with those corners and the safeties the Giants have, good luck trying to throw against those guys. You know, Paul, here's the other thing I'll throw out there, too. I think what corner you take is completely dependent on how Patrick Graham wants to play. If Patrick Graham says to me, I want to play more like my roots and go back to the way the Patriots play, the Dolphins play, and play a lot of press man— I might value J.C. Horn more than even Sertan. But if I'm a team that's going to play like the Giants did last season 
and play mostly zone, cover three, cover two, quarters, mix up zone defenses, then I think Sertan is clearly the better player. So to me, for cornerback, fit is so important based on what scheme you want to play because you know this, Paul and Jeff, the skills of a zone cover three corner is almost completely different than a press man corner. So I think which one of those guys you like better has a lot to do with how Patrick Graham wants to use him. Well, I would say I think Sertan's a much better tackler than Horn from what I saw. Oh, and no, exactly, I, I, and that's and why I, he's a better zone corner, right? And I all, yeah, and I also, well, and tackle, tack, you know, missed tackles will just make a coach want to puke. I agree with that. So, so Sertan, to me, is definitely the better guy over Horn, and it's not just about scheme fit. It's about, it's about something of that nature. And the other thing I would say is, forget, no matter what Patrick Graham likes, Who's the coach? Joe Judge. Who's his blood brother? Nick Saban. No, I right, but my, my if Joe Judge though, says I believe in Sertan because Saban tells me so. That's going to carry a lot more weight than what Patrick Graham might want to smile about. No, no, but, but Paul, you, you, you're missing my point. I'm not saying Patrick Graham's making the pick. I'm saying which player you prefer has like, for example, if you're going to play zone, you do not pick. I don't. I don't care if Sertan's gone. I'm not picking J.C. Horn if you're playing zone defense. I understand. You know what I mean? I understand. So I, I don't I think, think it comes down to that. We don't know the answer to that, but the coaching staff does, which is why I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's hard for me to say which guy I'd rather have because I don't know how they want to use him. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I understand the point. I don't know that I value it as much, but I understand it. I, Jeff, it, Jeff, before we finish out, you, you want to add something? Well, I just want to say, I mean, I, we're looking. Micah Parsons is on the board, right? I mean, do you, neither of you want to go there? I mean, this guy possibly might be the best athlete in this whole class. I don't. I. I. I don't know, man. I. First of all, I. I. I think that if he's there in this scenario, I'm taking Parsons. That's you who are. I'm taking. Yes, I'm taking him. I got Coach Chaos, who who coached him there. I. Th- I'm the off the field stuff doesn't bother me. This is a guy that I feel like is just. I, I think it's just. It would be amazing to have one, him one, there. One year starter. Let's Does keep it, that I, in mind. Okay, let's, but, well, let's keep that in mind. And what's the, what's another chink they're going to give him? The other chink in the army they're going to give him is Paul. We can talk about how chinks you in every them. one of these players. You yes, can we do can. It. But yes, all I'm doing is best player available strategy. That's where I'm going. And, and right okay. now he would be the best player available. And, so. and you know what? There's a lot of people listening to this show right now who agree with you. And that's well, the beauty of this. And there's no perfect science. We all know this. No, that's yeah. the beauty of this. You actually can make a logical case for a handful of players. This Drinking. is why the Absolutely. Giants are in a great spot. Everybody yeah. out there, listen. The New York football Giants are in a great spot. They are going to get a terrific player or, who is going to help them. Or picks. Or picks in the scenario that you guys both just went over. If they're going to go down, you know, then, then we could get more picks. Yeah. So. John, should, should we take Charlie before we go? Yes, please. Okay, I know he's we're on hold. Yell at Charlie? Well, we're running out of time, but go ahead, Charlie. Well, if he used to go really short, then we all win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Hey, guys. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, look, you know who I'd take? I'd take Super Freak. I'd take Collins, the linebacker out of Tulsa. Tulsa. This guy is a freak. He's 270, runs a 4-4 or 4-6. He, he, I mean, this guy, it, I, well, 4'6", not a 4'4", four four, but 4'6", 270 pounds. And this guy has got long arms. This guy can rush the passer. This guy can cover tight ends. This guy can block passes over the middle. This guy is a freak. I want super freaks on my team. And that guy 
is a super freak, and he's not going to last to the second round. So I would drop back to like fifteen and or whatever, and I would take him. Oh, oh, oh hold it, Charlie. Hold Over on one Parson. second, Al. You just yeah. made this strong pitch for Collins, and then at the back end of your exclamation, you say, "I would trade down to get him." Because if I you love the guy, leader. no. If you love the guy. You take him. You don't trade back. If you love the guy, you run the card up to the podium and you say, we got the guy we love. But I'm smart, Paul, because I know I can still get the guy. No, you don't. And I will get it. Oh, yes, I will. He's Look, not Charlie, Charlie, you don't know. You, you never know. Then, okay, Paul, if, if that's the case, then I would take him at 11. Okay, that's and that's your answer. That's your this answer. Even freak. Lance would have to shut his mouth and buy your answer if you say, I love <laughs> I the player. No, no, right? Lance will never shut his mouth. That's he would the, have you know to. That. <laughs> if you say, I love yeah. this player at 11 and I have yep. to have him, then you take him. That's the exactly. one way you can shut down any argument. If you say, I love this guy and I have to have him. If, if he's the number one guy on your board in that spot, you don't trade yep. back. You take him. There would well, be I mean, booze the in the building. John, yeah, there would what, be booze. What? You would get booed. <laughs> oh, they don't know this guy then. It's they, not they the first time Charlie's been booed. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing the I was going to say, Paul, uh, uh, the other thing, this was under John's scenario, of course, and nobody was there. Okay? But anyway, the other thing that I just saw, which I think, I think the Giants should definitely take him, is Smith. 166 pounds. That guy is so small, he can get through anything. Nobody's going to even see this guy. He's so small. He's a ghost. <laughs> 166 he weighed, Paul. So that's even worse than 175 or whatever you So you you you're basically you're joking, right? This this is this yeah. is a joke answer. <laughs> uh, thank you, Charlie. Yeah. Thank you cuz cuz quite frankly, if I didn't strangle you, Len probably would. I was going to say so more Len's having a, a, a conniption right now. <laughs> and it's not going to be a joke when when uh, John hangs up on you right now. Oh, I right? already did. Yeah, he's done. <laughs> there you go. Um, by the way, <laughs> did you guys see? I'm sure you did. This was a Super Bowl spot. That like Matthew McConaughey commercial where he's like flat and he's walking around, and then he eats the, like, yes! the uh, and yes! he like, expands. Yes, I have. That's like Devontae Smith when he turns sideways. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and look, again, the, the asterisk on this, folks, I personally would not draft Devontae Smith at 11. I've made that very clear for all the reasons that I've already put forth. But let me make something clear as well for everybody out there. If the Giants take him, it's because they believe wholeheartedly, 100%, that they've got conviction in him, that he is going to be a big-time player for them, and therefore they have to take him. That's the asterisk you have to put on any of these guys. If the, if the team believes that he is the best guy, you have to buy into what they're believing because that's their job 365 days a year. So I may not want to take the player, but if they do, they've got to have a good reason for and it. And by the way, no one has better intel from the SEC than the New York football Exactly. Guys. No one. And how many, <laughs> how many times right. have we been telling people that? Mm-hmm. Come on. They've got that entire conference blanketed. So if, they, if they've got conviction, damn it, they better take the guy. And I'd be mad if they didn't. Would you be mad if they take Jalen Phillips? 
No, because Jeff, I think they have more. They have more information on the player than we do, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like, because every look, if Jalen Phillips didn't have an injury issue, there's no yeah, question. I mean, I th he might be a top ten pick in this uh, draft. He was John, so good. he'd be there's a top no five, right? Yeah. Exactly. He's awesome. So, you watch his tape. Dude, he's 260. His pro day was he's off like, the He's charts. like Bosa. He's he, a Bosa guy. He is. He, he, he is. wins. He's a five, former five-star. He he won in every which way off the edge. He's he's a Joey Bosa-level prospect mm -hmm. if he doesn't have the off-field stuff. There's no so doubt. If the Giants get through that off-the-field stuff, which we don't have access to. We do not. And can't comment on it, and they think that he's going to be fine. You can get great value for him at 11. and mm -hmm. Because, look, mm -hmm. we always say this, right, guys? We can talk about what you see on the field, what we see on tape, the injury stuff, the off-the-field stuff, the medical, the mm -hmm. interviews. That's the stuff we don't have access to. Yeah. So, And that's going to determine how confident you are in Jalen Phillips. So, hey, bottom line is we've been telling you on Big Blue Kickoff Live now for at least two months that this pass-rushing class is a second-round value and a boomer-bust class. We've been telling you this now for the longest time. I see now some of the other media is finally catching up. It's okay. <laughs> you know, look, I hope they didn't choke on the bus fumes. But they're, they're, finally, they're finally catching up. Uh, but I'm glad you folks have been listening to us. We appreciate your attention, and we appreciate all of the, the college media people, the play-by-play -play guys, the analysts, yeah. the sideline reporters, who for the last two months have been giving us the lowdown on all of these prospects. Again, uh, if you joined us late, we had Oklahoma State and Stanford today. That wraps up our college previews. Uh, those folks have been phenomenal. We've been doing it with them for years, and we hope that everybody has enjoyed it and gotten an education as to those prospects. Jeff, been it great. is time to say goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> hey, Paul, can I add a programming note for tomorrow? Go, Go ahead. ahead. Yes, because you have uh, Dave Gettleman and Chris Pettit will be live at 12. So make sure you go to the Giants app or Giants.com to, to tune into that stream live. And then Jeff and I will pop on as soon as that press conference is over. Figure it'll be around 1230. You know, I could see it going a little bit longer tomorrow, Paul. Right? Those pre-draft yeah. ones sometimes go 40 minutes, give or yeah, take. Yeah, it could go 40. Yeah. So Jeff and I, regardless, will come on right after the press conference, and we'll go until 2. So we'll give you some bonus time tomorrow. I'm trying to line up a guest, but we'll take a lot of calls. And then on Friday, we're back to our normal time at noon, and Paul, Lance, and I will do our second mock draft. I just sent out team assignments. Paul, go check your email. Okay. And then uh, we'll be ready to go um, for that. And then we have just... Three regular shows until the draft. We're, we're closing in, boys. And, boy, do we have a week planned for you the week of the draft, folks. John's not going to reveal it now, but we got a whole week's worth of coverage. It's going to be wild. We're going to have a blast. And keep it here to Giants.com for all your Giants NFL draft information. And remember, you can catch today's episode of Beep Blue Kickoff Live as part of the Giants Podcast Network, brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere at giants.com slash podcasts. For John and Jeff, I'm Paul. We'll see you next time.